I'm Jeremy. I'm the senior pastor here at the Vineyard Church. I want to welcome you. I'm, I'm glad you're here. Um, we were just talking about a lot of stuff today, so I, so I really want to, I really want to get to, to uh, just kind of our thankfulness uh, for, for the giving and for our veterans. And so uh, I was talking to, so we're in this series called Peace by Peace, and I was talking to Kim Abadie last week, and it was like, I started working, when I started working on this sermon, I just, I couldn't help but think of Kelly Clarkson's Peace by Peace, you know, that song. And so that song was just stuck in my head for like two weeks. Erin knows, she's like, yeah, go and start singing it. Start singing it. You know you want to. <laughs> um, and so this, this, today we're talking about faith in the dark. And I thought about another Kelly Clarkson song, you know, what doesn't kill you, make you stronger. And I was like, okay, I actually don't listen to Kelly Clarkson that much. But she is sure showing up a lot in the, in the, you know, the head of my playlist. And so I don't know what's going on here. But um, I actually just went to an amazing concert last week, uh, uh, Ben Folds. And so, um, which made me feel a lot better about myself. And so, uh, and so that was fun. Um, so today we're talking about, we, in this series, we've been talking about faith in the dark. And what it looks like. Uh, to build our faith uh, through challenge and difficulty, because that challenge and difficulty is, that we all experience is not for nothing, right? It's, 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 it doesn't just happen. It's, it, it, it has a purpose. And so we're going to learn and apply some lessons from Job and Joseph and Jesus, because I like alliteration, <laughs> because Jesus developed just like we developed which is actually something that we maybe not think about all the time, that Jesus, the Son of God, or the, the one of the Trinity, actually developed himself. Um, so Jesus was fully, fully God and fully man. That's kind of where our kind of Christian theology resides, that Jesus was both fully God and fully man. However, he lived in his humanity, not in his divinity. And so if he lived in his humanity, that means he had to grow and develop in his humanity, yeah? So let's look at Hebrews 5, 7 through 8. I'm going to help set us up here. While Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. Wait a minute. Jesus learned? Jesus had to submit? Jesus suffered? He did, but not just on the cross. Luke 2, 52. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. What's the implication? Jesus had to grow. He didn't just have wisdom. It didn't just pop in because he was the son of God. He grew in wisdom and stature. And the rest of that Hebrew scripture says this, in this way, God qualified him as a perfect high priest and he became the source of eternal salvation for all those who obey him. And God designated him to be a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. So I bring that up because this is the thing, atonement, which is like, the thing we, we talk about a lot in the church, kind of Jesus as like this eternal sacrifice for us. Atonement is only possible if Jesus lived fully in his humanity. If at any point Jesus kind of dipped into like his God power, right? So like he's fully God and fully man, right? So, but 
You remember when, uh, when the soldiers came and like Peter just kind of being Jesus's road dog, so like pulled out a sword and like swiped off the ear because that's, that's, that's like what your best friends do, <laughs> right? And Jesus was like, hold up, hold up. I could snap my fingers and, hang, and the, all the angels of heads will be down here and this would be over and done with. But I'm not going to do that. Jesus did not dip into his God power because then atonement wouldn't have, it wouldn't have taken place. We wouldn't have what we have today. And so because he was living in his humanity, we are able to live in that peace, which is what that Melchizedek thing talks about. It's, it's, it's an order, it's a priestly order of peace. Jesus was a prince of peace, and we have that peace because he lived in his, humanity, in his humanity. And because of that, he also had to grow. And he grew just like we do through suffering. We obviously look at the epitome of Jesus' suffering on the cross, right? But that wasn't the only time he suffered. And so I want to quickly share another time that he did. Uh, so Jesus had a cousin born just a few months before him named John the Baptist. And John the Baptist, uh, not only was Jesus' cousin, he also baptized Jesus. John the Baptist was like as the one who um, paved the way for Jesus. Like he went before him. Jesus said that John the Baptist was the greatest prophet since Moses. And so you can imagine they're, they're pretty close. And so... John the Baptist was a, was a well-known prophet, and he, he was talking with the king at the time, King Herod, and even though the king was kind of distraught by a lot of things that John the Baptist told him, he still liked having him around. Um, but John the Baptist would encourage him to do things, like not have an affair with his brother's wife. <laughs> um, and King Herod didn't like that. Um, his brother's wife didn't like that. And so they get into this whole scene and she's trying to find a way to get rid of John the Baptist. And so during the birthday party of her daughter, she, uh, the, the king is really excited and says, what do you want? Whatever you want, I'll give it to you. And, and so she went to ask her mom, hey, what should I ask for from the king? And she's like, get rid of John the Baptist. And the king didn't want to do that, but he had to because he's, he, he gave his word in front of a lot of people. And so in, at that time, John the Baptist was in prison um, because he was doing what he was supposed to do. And, uh, and so he was killed while he was in prison. And so after that, John the Baptist's disciples came to Jesus in Matthew 14, 13. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Have you ever just needed to be alone? Because you're just in some pain right now. Now, it doesn't explicitly say Jesus was in pain. I don't think that's a far jump scene is that when Lazarus, his friend, died, he also wept then. So we're not making like these huge leaps and bounds right here. This was his cousin that just died. Jesus suffered long before the cross. So our faith isn't only tested in hard times. Our faith is shaped by the hard times we endure. 
It becomes more real and more raw. I used to tell, when I, when I pastored youth, I used to tell my kids all the time, I was like, you need to come up with your own faith and not your parents' faith. Because guess what? You're about to enter what we call the real world, and it will crush you. And if your faith isn't, doesn't have any kind of depth, you're going you're gonna to lose it. Because I've seen it happen over and over again. But when we endure trials the right way, our faith can form us and not crush us. And so that's the thing. Trials do one of two things. They either take us out or they make us stronger. And even if we have been taken out by past difficulties, it's nothing we can't recover from. But it's better if we use those times to actually let it form us into the image of Christ. And one of the primary things that determines which way it goes, one of the primary things that determines if this thing is going to take me out or if I'm going to get stronger from it is endurance. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 4, uh, 7 through 11. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars. You know, I never felt like that. Containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. We suffer. And as, our, as we suffer, we suffer in the same suffering that Jesus had, but we do that so that his life and his resurrection can become light in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus, so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. Where there is a death, there is always a resurrection. And where you are experiencing death in your life, Jesus will raise back to life if we endure. Difficulty is part of the building of our faith. We have to learn to endure so we don't give up. One of my favorite scriptures, like ever, is 1 Corinthians 15, 58. My loved brothers and sisters, you must stand firm, unshakable, excelling in the work of the Lord as always, because you know that your labor isn't going to be for nothing in the Lord. You must Stand firm and unshakable. See, when we don't have endurance, uh, a few things can happen. Now, the, the more extreme side is that, yeah, we can lose our faith. And, 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 and that's possible. But the more often thing that happens is that we just become hard and closed off. And I know that that's something that I've had to continually reorient because I've done that myself through my own sufferings that I've experienced, which have been many, through seeing the sufferings of those I care about. I was reminded last month at, 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 um, at, at our missions conference uh, by um, 
a woman named Cheryl Hanawalt. She's, uh, she, she used to oversee the uh, 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 Middle East and North Africa Vineyard Missions. And, and, and she said, Jeremy, you have, to ex- you, you have to allow yourself to feel the pain because only those that feel the pain can do the ministry of those who are in pain. And that, that, it, it brought me back. Because when you see so much with it and you endure so much, you just want to shut off. You're like, I don't want to deal with this anymore. I don't want to experience this anymore. I don't want to have to carry this. But it's only when we do that can we be the hands and feet of Jesus. It's only when we don't become hard and callous in whatever part of life that that might be happening, that our faith can actually build. Because that's the thing, once it becomes hard, it, it stops growing, right? It's like, it's like you know, the ground is, 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 has dried up. The, the, the plant isn't coming out anymore. That, that's what happens. And so this is why we, we need endurance. And so how do we endure? thinking about that question a lot this week because it's like it's a simple answer and it's also not but it's one of the things where you just you you just have to go so um some of you know um hannah ran the detroit marathon a few weeks ago two three weeks ago now which is very impressive i've run a 10k so it's not quite the same thing but i kind of get it just a little bit but no it's not at all the same thing like no not the same thing and I was like, I run 10 Ks to warm up, Jeremy. Go sit down. <laughs> but the thing is, it requires training, right? Like, you, you don't just get up and, and, and run a marathon. Just like our faith requires training. It has, it has to be built. And as you're racing, you get tired. You get worn out. And so sometimes, you know, you got to slow down a little bit. Sometimes you got to take a break but you don't stop, right? Like you don't stop, because the moment you stop, it's over. So you just, you keep going. So we have to train ourselves into endurance. And so often that training comes by allowing ourselves to endure whatever we're we're dealing with. And so as we endure, it's gonna build it up so that we can endure the next thing, and then the next thing. But the key is to not stop. So when my brother was in the Marine Corps, um, he was telling me the story during, uh, during the last three days of boot camp. Um, and so if you know any Marines, they all have the same last three days, which is this ridiculously insane and long trek and hike through very rough terrain. That's, it's like 50 miles. It's, it's ridiculous. And so he was, uh, he was leading his unit during this training and someone in his unit just asked him for a break. <laughs> he was, and uh, he's like, I just need to stop, and I just want to take off my boots for a second. <laughs> and he was like, some, they had some words. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and it was just like, no, the moment we start, you know what happens if you take off your boot and that happens? Your foot swells. That boot ain't going back on, and you ain't going nowhere. <laughs> You can't stop. 
You have to keep going. And so we pray, we ask, we seek, but not just for an answer or for relief. Because while, I mean, I think that's what, like, what we kind of want to do is like, well, what's the answer? How do I get out of this? I need some relief. But we, we ask just to experience God's love in that moment. It seems simple, but it's often the last thing we do or we want to do. Or sometimes we do it automatically and it becomes recited prayer instead of a raw, honest one, you know? And so it's like, that's when we hit our knees. It's like, I need your help to endure. And so you seek wisdom for what you can do. It's like, okay, what can I do here? Let me seek wisdom for that. And for the things that you can't change, for the things that are out of your control, you seek comfort from God and from our community. Like, There is nothing like the light that comes from someone carrying that burden with you. There is, there is nothing that actually makes me believe I'm not alone than when I actually share with what's happening with those I know who care about me. And there are times when I'm like, I'm, I'm like asking God, like, I, I need your relief, I, I need something. And I don't get an answer, but what I do get is the comforter. You know, so the Holy Spirit, the, 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 one of the, the Trinity of God is called, one of his names is the comforter. And just feel like just this blanket over me as he comes right in the middle of just the deepest pain. And he gives me enough to get through that day. And so we keep going. The Bible is full of stories of how people endured. And they just endured by just keeping forward. Joseph, one of the first stories in the Bible. He went through more things than we will ever all go through. <laughs> and he just kept going. He's like, all right, I'm a slave now. I'm going to be the best slave that I've ever seen. All right, I'm in prison now. I'm still going to be me. I'm still going to keep going. And he just kept going. Gideon, Jeremiah. I mean, there are all these stories of people who faced insurmountable challenges. But they just pressed on. And so we endure by learning how to just endure in the smallest ways, right? So before you run that 26.2 miles, you run that one mile. Like, okay, I can handle that. And then, and then you get a five mile problem, right? And you're like, ah. And so you endure through that. But as we endure, we get stronger and we become more who God is calling us to be. I wish I didn't have to come through pain. That would be great. <laughs> My experience says otherwise. About 10 years ago, I, um, 
I had a serious, uh, I guess 12 years ago now, a serious, serious medical issue. Um, and um, I had a mass, it was a tumor, and um, it was on its way to my brain. And, and so I had this whole, this whole journey for a few months. And thankfully it was benign, but I, I still had to have surgery and they couldn't figure out what was going on. It was like an episode of the house but they still never quite figured it out, <laughs> but I didn't die, so that was great. Um, uh, and so I had the surgery, and then a couple months later, I'd have a second surgery. And then a year later, I'd have a third surgery, all for the same thing. And this whole time, I'm on this very awful drug called prednisone, which has just the worst side effects that just breaks down your body. And then I'm like, is it over yet? <laughs> Are we done yet? And they're like, no, it's, we gotta have another surgery. And that one was the, was the worst one of all. And I remember just like before, I'm like, yo, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. I don't wanna go through this pain anymore. Like, I, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of being in pain every day. I'm tired of my head being cloudy. I'm tired. I'm just tired. But what was I going to do? Not have the surgery? No, I, I, I had to keep going. And so then that season was over after a few years. And then a few years later, I had something else happen. I'm like, okay, this is getting really old. <laughs> something completely unrelated, and it was just like another setback. But because I was able to endure through that first one, the second one, I was like, oh, yeah, this is a piece of cake. I got this. I mean, eventually. <laughs> but it prepared me for what was coming next. Keep going because we know that it's not going to last forever. It will end. And you have to remind yourself in that to endure because it feels like it's never going to end. Right? You're like, <laughs> I remember I tell people, like, there are some of these times when, you know how I say there's light at the end of the tunnel? I'm like, ain't no light at the end of the tunnel. Ain't no light at all. Ain't no tunnel. It's just bad. <laughs> it's just dark. <laughs> and that's how it feels. But we persevere. Because a few more steps later, then you do see that light. And you're like, oh no, this isn't going to last forever. And so another way we endure is through this thing called lament. We talked a lot about it a, a few months ago. And so I won't go too much into it. You can check out that sermon. But to lament are faith-filled complaints. Like, they seem to be mutually exclusive, <laughs> right? But, but, the, but that's, that's the idea. That's the, that's the difference between lamenting and complaining, right? So that lament is like, I'm complaining, but I still trust you, God. Look at Psalm 22, one of my favorite laments. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? God, I cry by day, but you don't answer, and by night I find no rest. 
yet. Here's the faith part. Yet, you are holy, enthroned on the praise of Israel, and you, our fathers, trusted. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you, they cried and were rescued, and you, they were trusted and were not put to shame. Lord, this sucks, but I trust you. I know of your holiness. So he laments. It's like too often we're just taught to like hold it in, right? And a lot of it is, is kind of the way our, our, our culture teaches us. For many of our cultures, it's just ingrained. It's just you, you shut it down. You repress. Ain't no problem, it's fine. But we can't do that. We have to lament. People also try to like make you feel bad for lamenting. Like, oh, you're not in faith. Oh, all, all these different things. Like, no, I'm still in faith. I'm just having a bad day. <laughs> but like, not only is that okay, it's biblical. We just don't like to talk about that and, and kind of our Western Christianity. <laughs> But it's biblical. And so we lament. We write. If you like to write, write. You worship. Scream. Cry. Whatever you got to do. But whatever you do, you vigilantly remain in hope. That's the key to endurance. To vigilantly remain in hope. You know, it's, it's something that allows us to actually grow in our trust of God. See, we, we actually don't know, how, don't know if we can trust someone until they show that, 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 that they can be trusted, right? Isn't it also true for God? I mean, we don't want to say that, like, no, I trust you, God, because I'm supposed to, because that's the Christian thing to do. Yes, I trust you, God. And look, I know we say that with, 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 genuinely. Absolutely, I know I have. But I also know when the rubber hits the road, that also hasn't been the case. My actions have not reflected my words, right? And so I, I want that to happen. I want my actions to reflect my words. And I learn to trust God when I actually see him come through in my darkest places. That's not the only way. There are many ways that I grow my trust of God, but this is a big one. When I ask him to comfort me in my pain and he comforts me. When I say, I don't know what's going to happen, I'm going to survive this, and he says, you are, you are going to survive this, just hold on, and it turns out I do. We have to grow in our trust in God. So a few years ago, I was with Justin Davenport, and we were in Port Allen at the UPS grabbing a package. And uh, um, we just overheard this conversation, this woman talking about how, like, she's like, yeah, 
I don't fly. I don't trust in planes. Mm-mm. I don't do ships neither. I don't trust in boats. I don't really take a train. You can't really be trusting no trains. <laughs> it's like, trains, play, boats, planes, oh my. <laughs> you ain't going nowhere. <laughs> But we have a certain trust in systems, right? Like we have a certain trust that this huge metal box, 30,000 feet in the air, is somehow not going to kill me, right? We have a certain trust in that. We have a certain trust that when my light says green, that the other light says red. (laughs) And so we have a certain trust in systems and certain systems that are just ingrained in us, right? Like, so what would that look like to have that same kind of trust in God? That's not just situational, but it's like it's so ingrained in us that we just know we're going to persist through this. You know what I mean? I'm going to try to wrap up here. I got a lot more stuff. Cut it down. And so one of the things that gets in the way is, is, is first understanding that when we're dealing with difficulty, we can't automatically just go to, oh, what am I doing wrong? Right? Because that's the, that's the, uh, for, for many, that's the initial response. Well, you caused this. <laughs> so what are you doing wrong? What must you repent of, you heathen? I mean, look, it's important to check in, right? Like Ice Cube said, check yourself before you wreck yourself, you know? Like, it's, it's important to, like, make sure that you're not doing anything that's causing harm to yourself. But that can't be, like, the first and only reason you have problems. And we have to break out of this, like, self-punishment cycle of everything that happens is, is, is my fault, and so I need to fix something. If that was the case, then there would be no suffering for Jesus, but he suffered. And then what also helps us to grow is to remember that God can take anything and turn it into good. Remember I was talking about Joseph? You know what he says at the end of the story to the very people who sold him into slavery? But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. And my God, you planned something bad for me, but God produced something good from it in order to save the lives of many. What you intended for bad, God turned into good, is what he told them. Whatever bad, whatever darkness you're in the middle of, God can turn into good. And he will. You know, in the story of Job, his friends came to him. His friends, in the middle of someone who just lost everything he owned and just lost his whole family and said, surely you've done something to deserve this. So just repent and everything will be okay. 
That's not what the story of Job teaches us. <laughs> In fact, the story of Job teaches us that Job was righteous and holy, and he still had all hell break loose. He did everything right and still suffered all the pain. He didn't bring it on himself. And at the end of it, God still restored everything he had. And so whatever we've lost, whatever we've endured, not only will God turn into good, he will bring restoration. He will restore the time. He will restore the wounds. He will restore our hearts. So whether you're in difficulty or not, what part of your life do you need to trust God with? Where have you shut down in the past and not deal with what he's calling you to because you're afraid or, or don't believe he has something good for you? Like, I know that's like how it kind of come down to, for me. It's like, it's like, Jeremy, why would I withhold something good for you? I'm like, oh my gosh, I really don't, I actually believe that you would withhold good for me. And so I had, I had to like say, oh no, okay, I need to change something here in the way I'm actually <laughs> believing in God. Ephesians 6 says, having done all to stand, stand. When you've done everything you can to keep going, just keep going. Keep going because he sees you. Because you're not alone. Because you have a purpose. Because Jesus is sitting there right beside you. All right, I'm going to close, close with this. The story of Jesus losing his cousin, it doesn't end there. Mark 6, so remember this, they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving. And people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them. He just lost his cousin. He is suffering. But he sees all these people who are hurting and he just, and he has compassion for them. And then he just continues to minister. He goes away so he can be alone. He wants to be alone right now. But he sees people in need and he has compassion on them anyway. And so who is God asking you to have compassion on even in the middle of your suffering? Suffering creates compassion in us, so we have to let that birth. Job's friends did not have compassion on him. Instead, blamed him for his suffering. Let's not do the same thing with others. You know, it's one thing to help someone see their destructive behavior. If someone's like doing something that is 
directly cause them harm. Yeah, I'm not saying don't address that. What I'm saying is when someone is dealing, is in the middle of it, don't, don't be like Joe's friends. And do be the first thing is to blame them. Just sit there with them in it. That's what Jesus did. The woman who was called in adultery, you know what he did? He, did, he wasn't on the outside with the crowd. He came and he sat there with her down in the depths. He was just there. And so, but it takes suffering. It takes our own endurance so that we can have that compassion. That compassion doesn't just happen. You know, there's a natural desire to have purpose in our suffering. It's not always apparent, but God will use it. I was looking at some practical tips. If you're in the middle of a difficult time, shift your mind and heart from being overwhelmed to perseverance. Now, I want to I explain what that means, but I couldn't type it all out. <laughs> so, you know when you're feeling overwhelmed, that's just like all you can feel, right? And just like when you're running that long distance, like everything is hurting, when your mind is on the pain and that's all it's on, it's very hard to keep going. But you can actually make a shift, right? And, and, and so as you're going, you're like, okay, I'm not going to think about that. I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to persevere through this pain. Like there's knowing that, but then there's actually making that shift. Coming from going this way, from I'm overwhelmed to going this way. The situation hasn't changed. The pain hasn't changed, but the mindset has, and it allows you to persevere. This doesn't mean ignoring what's happening or suppressing it. It means letting it come and persevering it through it anyway. So you let yourself experience, you let yourself be in it, but you don't let it overtake you. You're like, I'm going to fight back right now. Like, this is, this is not the end. We're going toe-to-toe, and we're going to get through this. Changing your thought pattern from this is overwhelming me to I will endure through this. Pray, seek, and lament as we discussed today. And if you're like, how do I do a lament? Go to vineyardvr.org slash lament, and there's a whole guide there for you to check out. Does that sound like a commercial just now? I didn't mean to. <laughs> I didn't write it, so I mean, I, just, I stole it from my friend on now. Number two, spend time reflecting on a current or past trial. Ask God to show you where he was in it. Go to a quiet place. Let your mind go to that place and ask God where he is and ask him to show you and reveal to you how he wants you to form through it. And so this is what you do. Whether you're in it now or you're kind of in it recently, like go to a quiet place and like let your mind go to that memory. Go to that time when you were just in it. And you ask God, hey, where were you in this? Like, show me your hand in this place where it felt like you weren't even close. You know, I can look back to some of the, 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 the hardest things I dealt with, especially as a child. 
And God showed me how he was protecting me in so many different places. And so not only it draws me closer to God, but it it also helps me develop my trust in him, but also helps me to grow in new ways. All right, last one. What challenge are you experiencing or have experienced recently can lead you to a greater compassion for someone else? Who do you know that is being criticized by others that can use a friend to sit and endure with them? Just go and be that friend. All right, let's stand. So we're going to enter into communion right now. There's uh, two stations, one under each projector and one in the back. And they're all gluten-free if you have an allergy. And so we practice communion every week because communion is a place to encounter the very real Jesus. It's a place to encounter the very compassion of Jesus. Like, if nothing else represents the compassion of Jesus better than communion, I, 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 don't, I don't know what it is. And so communion for us is, 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 is more than a, a time to do a practice, but a, but a place to actually encounter God. And so whatever, that, whatever is hit on you today or has been this week, I want to invite you to partake in communion. And so we practice open communion. And so what that means is if not only do we invite you, but if you feel compelled and you're like, you're not sure where you are, but you kind of want to meet this guy, Jesus, at the table, you're invited to this table. And so we invite you. And so let's, uh, we're going to take communion and we're going to have a couple worship songs as we just engage with just with the power of God and with his love.